Let me say happy Sabbath, everyone. So good to see you. Um, what a joy it give, brings to our hearts to know that we're in God's temple. As a faith community, just praising him and expressing to him how much we appreciate him. I want to welcome you here to our church today and those who are joining us on so good to have you here and join with our members and friends to worship the Lord. Nothing yet? Uh, I'm not yet either. Okay. Just a few things I want to share with the church family. It's really good to see Brother Raj and his family here today. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have been praying, we have been um, assisting where we can, but it's for you and your family to know, Brother Raj, how much we, uh, as a church family, are deeply involved in this process, standing beside you as you grieve the loss of Brother Jacob. All right? So good to have uh, your sister here, uh, Sister Rekha. Uh, let me have your sister to stand. Just, just to let the church say hi. All the way from South Africa. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Welcome. So good to have you here today. The funeral service for Brother Jacob will be next Friday. Right here at the church. Uh, the viewing starts at 10. Goes from 10 to 11. And then the service starts at 11. Am I correct? 10.30? All right. That's good. So, so the viewing starts at 10.30? Oh, the viewing starts at 9.30 and goes to 10.30. Got it. All right? And then the service starts right after. So just remember that. And then we will... We will have uh, just a get-together with the family right here at the church after we have been to the burial site, all right? And so um, uh, just want to say, Brother Jacob, the, the times that I've met him, uh, you could see just a, just a humble man, and a man who loved the Lord. And so... Right now he's sleeping in Jesus, Amen. awaiting the first, Amen. all right? And we look forward to that as well, all right? Today, uh, also I just want to thank the organizational committee for your efforts in working to, to select our nominating committee for this year. And I, I've been hearing it, and I keep saying it every week. Uh, but I like the response from the church. Uh, the folks here, I can see you truly love the Lord and you want to be able to serve in some capacity next year. That's the purpose for the nominating committee. Thank you for sending in uh, your, 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 the areas, uh, your paperwork with the different areas you'd like to serve. It really does help. It really does help along in the process, all right? Today, 
we continue the journey that we started last week. Last week we looked at the extravagant father. Remember that? The extravagant father. Today, part two. Part two. So with that, I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads with me. Let's invite the Lord's presence as we open his word. Father, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. You know, each week we, we look forward to this day. We're always planning, we're always putting things together. We're always looking forward to this day, your holy Sabbath day, whereby we can gather to worship, to express from the depths of our hearts the, 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 the things that we really need your involvement in. We're gathered here today, Father, knowing full well that there's a word that you have prepared for us. And so here we are declaring that our hearts are, are ready for your word. We want to hear from you. Father, may as, we, may as you speak to us today, may we receive your word, but also, Father, May we act on it. May it not only be symbols and may it not only be words that convict our hearts, but may transform us in the process as well. Father, I declare that all that I am, I willingly leave, I willingly open up everything to you. I invite the Holy Spirit to just speak through me and to me ultimate goal, Father, is for us to be changed into your image. So we give you full access to do that now. So we ask that you teach us in the name of Jesus, the church of the living God say, Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. Faith, Sister Faith, you hear those Bibles? You heard those Bibles turning? Beautiful sound. Beautiful sound. All right. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to begin with verse 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. Who were there? Tax collectors and who? And sinners. But they weren't alone. There were some other people with him that were there. And the Pharisees and the 
and the scribes, they were there too. But there's a, there's a word that describes them right here in what they were doing. They're always complaining. Isn't that true? In fact, the Bible says, uh, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and does what? And eats with them. They had a problem with Jesus. He says he's the son of God. But he's sitting with the scums called tax collectors of the Jewish society. Can you imagine? Look at him. Look at him rubbing, rubbing shoulders with the sinners, calling himself the son of God. They had an issue with that. And Jesus loved to use stories to help people understand his purpose. Are you with me? They were challenging the reason why he was there. In fact, they had a, a clear misconception of what God was like. In other words, God should not be the person sitting with these kind of people. In fact, if he should be sitting beside anyone, it should be sitting beside us. Are you with me? Not them. You know, throughout Jesus' journey, while he was here, he would often take time to express to the people what God is like. In fact, Jesus made a statement. Was it to Philip that Jesus said, um, if you have seen me, Philip, then you have seen who? The Father. Remember that? His idea was always to portray the true character of God before the people because the character of God was being misunderstood by many all because of what the leaders in the church were portraying. So Jesus wanted to set this clear. And in fact, last week, we saw where he shared in a beautiful way what the Father was like, right? When it comes to those who leave his house and go to engage with the world, Jesus is saying that will only end up one place, right? being lost and separated from God forever. That's what the world gives people. That's the world's reward for people. But he's saying, listen, and I just love it. Every time I read the story and I, I hear these words, remember, in, in, remember the son being in the, in the hog pen and the Bible says he came to his, his senses came to himself. Those are beautiful words, you know. Because I remember when I came to myself. Hallelujah. Do you? Do you? I remember. I remember when the, the knock came to my door on a Friday night for me to go clubbing. And I sure did answer the knock. And I said to my friend, this is the last time. I, the, sorry. I said, I will never be at that club again. Ever. And sure enough, I lost a friend 
but again, a heavenly forever friend. Isn't that amazing? One of the best decisions I ever made is when I gave my heart to Jesus. It radically changed my life. It radically cha changed what I pursued in life. My whole goal was never anymore to put my career as the top of my life pursuit. I had a different career now, which was to work with God to make disciples. That was now my career. Everything else supported that. Praise the Lord. But right here we see where the father was so extravagant in how he treated the son who came to, him, his, came to his senses. The father is as if he rolled out the red carpet for him, right? Remember that? And he welcomed his son with so much love and forgiveness back into his house. It's like the ark. You can only be saved from the flood if you're where? In the ark. He was, but he left. But thank God he came back. Hallelujah. Amen. And how much, you remember the father? How much was the father longing each day for this son to come home? He was on that porch every single day looking. Waiting for the son to come home. And so when he did, he was happy, and he was willing to waste his happiness. He was willing to just make it overflow. Are you with me? He was extravagant. But now the story is not done. Because when you look at verse 11, the Bible says, Then he said, a certain man, by the way, who is the subject of the story? The man, isn't it? Come on, y'all, let me read it again. Then he said, a certain, the man is the subject of the story. I mean, the focus is on him and his actions. But then it said here, had how many sons? Had two sons. So what God is doing here in this text, what Jesus is doing, he wants to provide a contrast of actions between these two sons which will show what the father was like. In fact, it's a beautiful story here. We see, we see as we began that this parable was actually focused clearly on the Pharisees and the scribes, right? He wanted to teach them a lesson. He wanted to set the record straight. And so he said, I'm going to move down now to verse 20. Uh, actually, verse 25. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field while a party was taking place in the house, right? Because now the, the, the younger son came home. There's a big party. While all of that is taking place, where is the older son? In the house or outside the house? 
Can you be saved outside? No. So he finds himself outside the house. The younger son was inside but also went out. But praise God, he came back in. But this older son now is outside the house. He's in the field. The Bible says, and as he came and drew near to the house, he's heading towards the house now, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. What is happening on the inside? I've never heard that kind of music in my father's house. There's, there's a party going on inside. I mean, I, I, I hear dancing steps on the inside of this house. I've never heard that before. I'm hearing all kinds of discussions going on, and people are so happy. What is happening on the inside of this house? Sure enough, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother, your brother has come home. And because he has received, because he has received him safe and sound, speaking of your, the father, your father has killed the fatted calf. What? I mean, that's a cherished animal, you know what I mean? For a for a huge occasion. You mean the, the fatted calf has been killed for my brother who went and spent all of my father's money on prostitutes? This is what is being rewarded in my father's house? In fact, it's not done yet. The Bible says, uh, your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. So there are three things I, I, I see here within the text that describes the reaction of this older son. And what I want you to pay attention to is not his reaction as the foremost point in your mind. Because remember, who is the subject? Don't forget that. Jesus is trying to teach people how the Father worked with sinners. Are you with me? And he's saying to the Pharisees, the Father worked with sinners completely different than you do. They're listening to him. He's talking to them, and he's going straight at them. They knew that he was coming at them very hard. because of the way they treated sinners and saying that they hold the very oracles of God at the same time. So they were given a completely wrong view of our Heavenly Father. And so, but he was angry, correct? And would not go? Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. If he doesn't go in, then he's what? If the younger son didn't come back and wanted 
to go by him, we would be also lost, right? His own son. Just listen to him. Very angry and lost at the same time. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. I'm I'm going to come to the father's action in a second, all right? And you're going to note how does a father treat sinners? So he's angry, but I'm going to touch what the father did in a second. But not only angry, look at him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your what? Commandments uh, at any time. And yet you never gave me a what? A young girl. That I might make merry with you. Not even thinking about the father. My friends. You never gave me this kind of treatment. And I am the one that was always with you. Obeying you. Serving you. Being a slave to you. And you never gave me this kind of royal treatment. Continues. But as soon as this, my brother, he's not even his brother anymore. As soon as your son, are you, are you listening to this angry brother? As soon as your son, um, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said, stop right there. This son was not only angry and in a lost state, but this son was self-righteous and jealous. Isn't that true? Come on, y'all. It's right there in the text. He's jealous of the treatment that, that his brother was getting that he did not get. And in fact, he was so self-righteous He told the father that he has kept every single commandment. Can you imagine this liar? (laughs) Come on, y'all. He has kept everything. And the father is listening to him. Very jealous. And very self-righteous. Angry in a lost state. But then finally... Finally, something else, something else I see here. And he said to him, son, this is the father speaking, you are always what? With me and all that I, that I have is yours. It was right that we what? Should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. Lost. He's not my brother, he's your son. He's disowning his own brother, meaning he's very indifferent to the loss. Are you with me? He's very indifferent to lost people. That's the third thing I noticed. Yes, he's self-righteous and he's jealous, but he doesn't care whether people are lost or saved. doesn't really matter to him. All that matters to him is that he be treated in a certain way. Are you with me? 
he'd be treated the same way as how the father has been treating his younger brother. And if he didn't get any of that, guess what? Forget you. In other words, he will live with his brother. He would know that his brother is in a lost state and didn't even care. Didn't even give a prayer. Are you with me? It didn't occur to him that the eternal salvation of his own brother was at stake. And he was willing not to do anything about it and still keep all of God's commandments. Indifferent, angry, jealous, self-righteous, and lost at the same time. However, spent his time, as he said, in the house with his father. Right? In church and angry. In church and jealous. In church and indifferent to lost people. In church and self-righteous. And at the same time, Jesus is staring down the eyes of these Pharisees and saying, but you're lost. Can you imagine that? He's speaking to them. Wow. But you know, the, you know I just love Jesus. You know. I'm, I'm so glad he came into my life. I, I have to say, because you know what? It's a continual growth for me. I can see a continual change. Are you with me? There's so many things that I used to do that the Lord has blessed me to see that they were wrong. And now I'm, I'm, I'm in a state where there are times I'm, I'm doing repair work. Are you with me? Because I want to, show, I want to bless my Father in heaven. And when we look at the state of this older son, we see a damning indictment on the religious leadership of the time. They weren't leading sinners to Jesus. They were pushing sinners away from Jesus. Are you with me? Pushing sinners away. And there's nothing more. I, I can't wait to touch this last part there. There's nothing more that Jesus loves in his heart. Do you ever love something really bad? Come on, y'all. You, 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 you just wish you could have it. Huh? You guys silent. But I tell you what, I know you do. I know you do. And I, I feel Jesus feels the same way about tax collectors. Hallelujah. Amen. He feels the same way about sinners. There's nothing more that will thrill him out of this world than to know that my son or my daughter who was lost in this world is now found. And now as a guarantee of eternal life to live with me forever. That's what's on his mind. That's his sole purpose for living. While he was here. He didn't want to get into the church culture and get messed up by the, what they were doing. Look at how he handled himself. Your Lord and my Lord. He was all about every day about my father's business. 
Not about his own career. He worked. Sure enough, if you don't work, you should do what? same time, his work supported his cause. His work was not the end or the mission of his life. His calling to make disciples was. And whatever career God placed him in, which was the carpentry career, are you with me? He used that to support life so that his calling could be supported. So now, let's look at it. Remember, the son's response is not the priority of the story. It was a father's response. And God was trying to share, share with these Pharisees what he's like. And so now, they're angry. Look at Jesus' response. Go back to 21. Uh, where was I? 15. So now go back to verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. Sorry, verse 28. Look at verse 28. But he was what? Angry and would not. So now the Pharisees knew Jesus was talking about them. All right? Because they, they were angry about the whole parable itself. All right? Of how this, this, this father was treating the sinner. So they were angry. And they wouldn't go in. And chewing of the Pharisees hearing Jesus knew that, oh, we wouldn't go in too. Why would we go in? Are we going to prop up the bad doing of this brother and legitimize it? We're not going to go in. So they, Jesus was speaking to them, but now watch the father. The father's response. Ah. Verse 28. Therefore his father did what? came out and you know the father didn't come out and run after the first, the younger son. Remember that? The father stayed home. Isn't that true? But now Jesus is saying, I'm even doing a greater work for you. I'm actually coming to you and feeding. Can you imagine that? What Jesus is saying? In other words, Jesus was saying to these Pharisees, The way I love this younger son, I love you also. And I, I just want to die alone. Just imagine what Jesus is trying to say. I am not against you. I am for you. Come on, y'all. I love you so much, he's trying to say. And I want you to see what I desire for the world. Come on, y'all. Come on. This is a father. All right? If the son don't want to come in, well, stay out. It's your business, right? This is the king of his castle. And then it uses the word pleading. Pleading. Why am I pleading with you? You're a grown, you're a grown man. Why am I going to come to you and plead? You know the right thing to do. If you don't do it, then you stick with the consequences. God is saying right here, I am willing to come. 
wants to get his people on the inside. Sometimes they leave, and sometimes they refuse to come in. And whichever way they choose, they're going to know that this father is going to welcome them in. If this father had reacted in a certain way that was completely negative, he would be pushing that son further away. Isn't that true? And you know, sometimes we do that. Sometimes we react to others the way they react to us. Are you with me? But when you ask God to calm you down so you can speak in a loving manner, that has a way of melting away the anger. Jesus' way of dealing with anger was not with anger. Come on, y'all. The Father's trying to help them to understand what he's like. All right? And he's not going to approach anger with anger. And he can't, can he? Yes, he could. But he decides to approach it with love because he loves the second son as much as he loves the younger one, right? He's pleading. God is probably pleading with some people in the church right now. Loving the pleading. In different ways he's pleading. Whether it's on the porch praying or whether it's going out to the field to speak. In different ways God is sending messages to someone right now watching online or in this church building. Pleading for a change. The question is, are you going to come in with the Father? Or are you going to go your own way? You know, the truth is, if you go your own way, there's nothing good that will happen ultimately. I have never seen where anger brought good fruit in a relationship. Maybe you have, maybe you have. But anger only fuels all kinds of resentment and bad attitudes. Isn't that true? That's why the Bible says, hey, listen, it's better we take care of it before we go to bed. Because if we don't, guess what's going to happen? We're going to turn to bitterness. God is saying, listen, I am not like that. The way I deal with anger people, I deal with them with love. God is pleading with us even right now. Are we open to hear him and change and just follow him? One thing I've learned about God, his ways always work out to be the best for us. Second thing I noticed with this, with this um, and by the way, they were lost. He was lost, and God was pleading with him. And maybe you're here today, and you haven't made a decision for Jesus Christ. Fully. I mean, he's not into the half-baked salvation plan. That is not in Scripture. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to make a decision for him, it's a complete radical change. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like someone getting married. They're choosing to 
forsake every single woman that's loose in this world, right? And she unites in her life with a woman outside of my spirit. Are you with me? Like my decision for the rest of my life. I remember that from the rise of I'm away and I'm by my forever. That's what it means to marry Jesus. You're making a decision that, hey, from now on, I am not going to live life entangled with the world, seeking what the world is seeking after to find satisfaction in life. I am going to now live life to find satisfaction. Some people want both. They want the satisfaction of Jesus. They want the satisfaction of the world. Jesus brought that labor here. It makes me want to see. He doesn't like that. So what God is saying, hey, listen, the lost state is a terrible state. The only way to come back from that is to come to your senses and truth. Second thing here I noticed, when the son said so, he answered and said to the father in verse 29, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave the young goat that I might make merry with my friends, but as soon as this son of yours came, you devoured, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him. This self-righteous, jealous person was also met with these words from the Father. How does the Father deal with jealous people, self-righteous people? He says, and the Father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. Can you imagine that? Look at what, he's, he's disrespecting the father. But yes, the father affirmed him. You notice that? Son, I know, I, know some, I know the good things about you. You are always what? You are always with me. The father is actually affirming the son. Come on, y'all. He's affirming him, affirming the son. You're always with me. And that's all. And he was telling the Pharisees that. He was telling the Pharisees, I know you're with me, you know, because I know you love the word. Are you following me? I know that there's some good things about you. I know what you're doing, but I'm here to help you. Because that alone won't get you in. Are you with me? That alone won't get you in. It's like many people today. They will love the word, but they won't make a decision. I hope I'm talking to Because this, that's something Jesus never liked. Just read the Bible. He said it's not the hearers only, but it's the what? The doers. Just hear the word of God. That is a good thing. Let me just say that. It's a good thing. But when it comes to salvation, if that's all you do, it's still lost. You have to do what it says. To Jesus, 
that's like, he told a story about that. He made an illustration about that, about a, a house being set on a rock, or a house being set on sand, right? And that's what he's trying to say. You're building a house that's on a sand. If all you do is here. The rain comes, the flood comes, guess what's going to happen to that house? Washes over. Yes, you have the house, but you don't have a foundation. Is that any good? But if you have a house, built on solid rock. I mean, no matter what kind of start comes your way, guess what's going to happen? Oh, firm. That house is built by hearing and hearing. Many people want to hear. Some people want to do. And you know who's taking record? Our Father. He's taking record of both. Both. But here we see where this Father affirms this Son, but he not only affirms him, notice what he has done also. He said, and all that I have is yours. He's also assuring him. All right? All that I have belongs to you. In other words, listen, I want you, my boy. You have nothing to worry about. Are you with me? Father is saying, you have nothing to worry about. I love you so much. You don't have to question my love for you. I want you in heaven with me for the rest of your life for eternity. That's what I want. Are you with me? And he's saying to the son, uh, uh, yes, there's some good things going on there, and you need to know, too, that I not only affirm you, but you need to have the assurance that I'm with you. I'm fighting for you. In your weaknesses, I'm doing everything I can to give you strength. Are you with me? The father is saying, nothing that you would need to get to heaven, all right, would not be for me. That's what the father can't do. The father can't, and he would not. All right? He would not if you don't pray for him. Are you with me? But guess what? He will share, but he can't make you hear. So you can hear, that's his part, but guess what? this is where it should be, it should be at church on Sabbath morning, and he carries you here, then where is the freedom of choice? Where is the love? Are you with me? You're not expressing that you truly love him while you're here, it's because he can't. And then finally, this is the part I, I, I just can't wait to get to. He not only affirms the son, he not only assures the son, but wow. Verse 32. It was right that we what? Should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. Right? And is what? Alive again. Was lost 
is found. This father expressed to the son the true joy in his heart. Can you imagine that? And while he's, while he's sharing, while he's sharing this son, he was trying to tell the Pharisees, the very thing you are pushing away is the very thing I love the most. That's what he's coming to say to them. The very thing that you treat indifferently is the very thing I would even give my very life to secure. He's talking to them. He's saying, you have a wrong view of God, y'all. You need to know that every single sinner have my heart with them. I want them saved for the rest of eternity. That's what I want. And that's the huge joy that I am not indifferent to them no matter how poor they treat me. I am going after them. Are you with me? Until I see. That's what he's after here. God is trying to tell the, whether it's the, you know, the, the, the one running from the home, the one running, well, both of them were running from the home, right? God is trying to say to them, hey, listen, I love sinners, and I want you to come back. And you have to make a decision about that. And maybe some people have to do that right now today. Three things I close real fast with. Don't worry, even though I say three things. I see some things right here that we can practice and we can do as people who love the Lord. And people who are trying people who are trying to build a relationship with God. First, listen. What did I say? I see it in the story. The first thing the father was trying to portray to, to, to this older son was this. Listen. Verse 28. Verse 28 says, let me just go to it real quick. But he was angry and was not going in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. The father was speaking to him. For him to get what he needed from the father, he had to do what? First thing, listen to the pleadings of God. All right? For God so loved the world that he what? That whosoever should not, but have, listen to him. He's pleading to you. He wants you to be saved. He wants me to be saved. Jesus is communicating to people through this parable who are sinners like myself. Before I go and listen to all the philosophies, philosophies of this world in order to somehow gain satisfaction in life, Jesus is saying, listen, don't, don't put your priority in those pleadings. Don't put those, your priority in the politicians Listen. Can I hear you say stay? stay? Come on, y'all. Just a few people said that. 
Can I hear you say, stay? Stay. So you're going to listen to Jesus? You're going to stay in No matter who come and tell you all kind of bright, fluffy idea of what's going on on the outside, let them go. You pray for them. But as for you, stay with me. Don't let anyone push you out of the house. Don't let anyone deceive you with all kinds of fanciful stuff about how boring it is. nothing else. So what are you going to do? Stay. In fact, we, we see that in verse 31. In verse 31 when the Bible says, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. Isn't that what the father said? Don't forget you're always with me. Now you don't want to come in, right? Don't forget that when you're with me, when you're staying with me no matter what, that's when Win when you stay. Stay with Jesus. No matter if death, poverty, persecution, whatever, lacking of anything, stay with me. Finally, not only stay, but we end with. When Jeremiah, remember little Jeremiah, when he gave his heart to the Lord and was baptized and with his mother, can you imagine heaven? Can you imagine heaven? Hey, listen, listen. It, 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 sure enough, it was like a cubit towards a bowl in one compartment or a bowl during a Super Bowl or something. Stadium of every religion. You know, sometimes I like to watch the celebration in the homes. You know what I mean? And when the team scores and they show the celebration at home, Jumping up and dancing, right? Everybody's so happy. That's what heaven is like. And so therefore, if we know, if we call ourselves God's people, and we know that's what makes him so ecstatic, and we choose, oh, let's not score more. Let's not score more. Let's just leave that to the past. Let him score the goals. Are you with me? And while the pastor don't have that friend that you have, that person is alive. Are you with me? The pastor doesn't know that friend. 
doesn't have a relationship with that friend, but you do. And God placed you in that moment to share Jesus with that friend, and then you choose not to. Can you imagine what heaven is saying? Heaven is saying, do these people really love me? Do these people really care for me? Oh, they hear me say that they should make disciples, but they do nothing about it. He's telling the Pharisees what they were lacking. That's what he was doing. He was saying, listen, you know the word so well, but you're not bringing one sinner into the church. That's what he was telling them. I mean, the very thing I love the most, I would even give my life for it, God is saying. It makes me so happy, but you're wrapped up more in your careers. You're wrapped up more in your school. You're wrapped up more in your relationships. You're wrapped up with so many things in this world. And the one thing that makes me celebrate, you're indifferent to it. Whew. This parable is not only speaking to the Pharisees of old. It's speaking to Pharisees of today. Are you with me? And God is saying, listen, the effort that I put out to bring you to Christ, he's saying, listen, and the joy, you know the joy that we feel? Let me tell you, knowing Jesus is such, a, is such an amazing thing. When you sit at the bedside of someone you know with a family, and the family is standing with you, Knowing that they listen, this person loves the Lord. And with all their heart, they're believing that he's sleeping in Jesus, right? Do you know what comfort that family is blessed with? To know that? You know what I'm saying? They're knowing that this is not the end for this person. Because Jesus has provided guarantee of a resurrection for those who sleep in him, right? Amen. What a marvelous thing it is to be a Christian. Yeah. We are blessed with that comfort. Amen? Amen. We are blessed with that assurance. We are blessed with so many things, knowing that we living here as Christians don't have to worry about our, our soul salvation when it comes to whether we are forgiven or not. We know that we're forgiven by Jesus. Amen. And we also know that we have his power that he uses to save us. Listen, every single human being on planet Earth who doesn't know Jesus would love to save. And God has placed each and every one of you and myself in a really good position with many of these people. So we can minister to them. And God is willing to work through us to touch their hearts and bring them into the glory. If we choose to neglect that, if we choose to do nothing about that, but be satisfied with coming to church on Sabbath, and that is a Christian life, then I can tell you that kind of lifestyle. 
speaking to the crowd. That's what it is. He's saying it's more than that. What you see me do, he's saying, do the same. Amen? Amen. Do the same. Thank you. You know, very shortly, I, I, I got to tell my church family, I think about you a lot. I really do. I pray for you a lot. One of the things I'd love to do as a pastor is to move into a situation where I become a trader. Let me explain that. I, I, I'm not about to trade, but I'd love to train my church family. Those who are willing, those who would like to come over here and invite me, how can I move somebody to take an avenue where I'm not reaching anyone from here, but be able to